Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, we welcome you back. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash presented by Kirkland and Summers right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. 1410 Wing AM, we are Dayton's home of the Cincinnati Reds. Spring training officially in the history books. Now we move on to the regular season. Opening day tomorrow, the Reds' opening day opponent will be the St. Louis Cardinals. 410 the first pitch, 340 the pregame. And, of course, you'll be hearing a lot of this next man's voice a lot throughout the summer. He is our guest. He is the voice of the Cincinnati Reds, Tommy Thraw. Tommy, man, I hope you're doing well. I always look forward to talking to you. I know this is a very hectic time, of course, a very busy time as you're getting back from spring training. But opening day is tomorrow. I hope you're doing well. Welcome in. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It was, uh, it is. It's always, uh, it, it's always a little hectic when you come back and uh, opening day starting. But it is, uh, it's kind of a positive, nervous energy that all kind of goes together once you hop on the plane and, and come back from from Goodyear. So it's great to be back in Cincinnati, and uh, really can't wait to get things started tomorrow. What was this spring training like? I mean, you guys got most of the spring training in last year before things really started to kind of derail towards the end when the virus just kind of, you know, put the took the uh, the entire sports world and brought it to a complete halt. I mean, more than just sports, but you know what I mean. But th- when you first arrived to spring training, what was that first couple days like after just thinking back to a year ago with everything going on? Well, you know, you compare it to a year ago, and it felt a lot different. First of all, uh, normally I get out there about a week before games start, hang around the team a little bit. You're in the clubhouse. You're talking to guys. You're getting to know some of the new players uh, that are in camp. Uh, you're watching practices on the backfields. And there was just no access, so that you, you couldn't do any of that oh, this wow. year. So that was really different. All of the uh, interviews, everything, kind of like it was last year, was all done over Zoom. And so that was different. So you're in your hotel room a lot more than what you're used to at spring training. Usually you're not at the hotel much at all. This year really, really got acclimated with every inch of the uh, of that hotel. So um, that was one big thing. Uh, the other thing was fans were back, which was a huge, huge welcome uh, after not having any fans all last season. And that was something you really noticed. And now sure it wasn't full capacity, but... Just having fans in the ballpark, hearing them, uh, you know, heckle players from time to time, <laughs> chant different things. It was just it, it it created a degree of normalcy, which was really really nice. You know, I really think it's going to be funny. You know, as fans are going to be back in the stands, limited capacity. But I think visiting teams, whether the Reds are on the road or a visiting team at Great American Ballpark, I I, I think that these uh, visiting teams are going to be so grateful to be called a bum and every other name in the book from these opposing fans. I think they're willing to be called anything at this point just to hear the sound of fans in the stands at this point. Uh, I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I think everybody's just glad to see real people sitting in the seats once again. So it, it'll be a welcome relief and or. Uh, a welcome side and and uh, hopefully things can continue to progress and, and we'll be closer to normal maybe a little sooner than we all thought. That's actually, I mean, that's obviously the hope, and we're all praying for that, absolutely. We got Tommy Thrall with us, the voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Now, you know, you talked about some of the differences of just player access and just the overall vibe and feel of spring training, but what was your biggest takeaway from spring training uh, from on the field? Obviously, this is, you know, an interesting group because I think you have a lot of proven veterans. You kind of know what to expect. Uh, you know, there's still question marks as how this team's going to rebound from the offensive struggles last year, but you also have a good blend of up-and-coming talent as well with Jonathan India. We got to 
see, you know, Lodolo and Hunter Green at times. Just what was your biggest takeaway from the future of the Reds that was beyond this season as well as the immediate future with what we can expect from some of the key guys that you got to see in spring training? Well, the one thing that I thought really stood out to me was Joey Votto was swinging the bat really well before the bout with COVID. Um, he came back, got a hit in his last game. I think he's he's looking pretty good at the plate. Now, the question is, is he actually going to feel well enough to be able to start the season tomorrow? That remains to be seen. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have a clearer picture of that maybe as soon as later this afternoon. Otherwise, we might not actually know until right up to game time tomorrow. But... That was one thing. Uh, the, the pitching, there's some there's some injuries on the pitching staff that that make you wonder how how's that going to shape up. But the back end of the bullpen, the three horses that the Reds will have in that bullpen are going to be really really good. Amir Garrett was pitching as well as I've ever seen him pitch. Um, he was just unbelievable and dominant, completely dominant. That was encouraging. Lucas Sims has looked good. T.J. Antone has been incredible and he's really going to give the Reds and David Bell and Eric Johnson some versatility out of the bullpen which I think will be a really unique role uh, but I think it'll be an exciting role as well you have three different guys that you can use as basically a closer type pitcher in high leverage situations at any point so that'll be fun to see how the bullpen comes together and, and how they use the bullpen this year uh, the, the starting pitching there's some depth there but uh, it's certainly going to be uh, called upon early on with Sonny Gray and Michael Lorenzo not starting the season on time. Uh, but Luis Castillo had a really, really good spring. And even he admitted that's a little uncharacteristic for him to throw the ball as well as he did in spring training. So that's encouraging. <laughs> like to see that. And uh, Tyler Malley looked good at times as well. I think he's going to continue to take a step forward as he did last year. And if that's the case, that'll be a good spot in the rotation. Probably eventually he'll fall back into that number three spot. He'll start as start out as number two starter, but the offense looked really good. I really liked what I saw from their approach. A lot of base hits, a lot of going the other way, trying to beat the shift, uh, doing what you can get to get a hit and get on base, and, and that to me was was really exciting and something that really stood out from an offensive standpoint. You know, it's funny you bring up uh, Luis Castillo and his struggles in spring training at times. I remember just two years ago, um, the Reds had just acquired Sonny Gray, and there was a lot of buzz and excitement about Sonny Gray, but you know, that we were waiting on David Bell to name who the opening day starter was going to be, and he named Luis Castillo. And we knew Luis Castillo was going to be a big part of the future moving forward, but he had really struggled in spring. He was getting rocked. His last spring training game, he had given up a couple home runs. He did not look good. David Bell, about a day or two later, announces he's going to be the opening day starter. And I remember thinking, what in the world? What are you thinking? He cannot be. And then he went out and had one of his best performances ever. I mean, he was rolling that day. And I'm like, you know what? There's so many times throughout the year that I get reminded how I have no clue what I'm talking about, but that was one of the most memorable ones. So when you brought up his struggles in spring training and now he's you know done well this spring training, uh, it made me think of that right away. But, oh, man, I mean, he is. He's so night and day different between spring training and regular season, and we're hoping that the momentum he established in spring training this year uh, can kind of carry over and have a good start tomorrow. The Reds are going to need it. They need a good start, especially in the month of April. Yeah, no question. And you remember that start that he got on opening day that year? He was brilliant in that game. So I really, really look forward to seeing him pitch tomorrow. Uh, he was able to rise to the occasion then. Uh, no reason to believe that he won't be able to do it again tomorrow. So he is always, he's one of those types of guys that he is worth paying to come see pitch. Uh, there's just certain guys. You see their name on the list of starters and, and, they're worth coming to see. He is certainly, certainly one of those guys, and uh, really look forward to watching him face tomorrow.
Tommy Thraw, voice of the Cincinnati Reds with us here. Uh, Tommy, you work alongside the Cowboy, and uh, I tell you what, I love listening to you two call games. I think you, and I'm not just telling you this because you're on with us today, but I think you have done a fantastic job taking over for Marty. It's not easy replacing a legend, and I think you've done it about as flawlessly as possible. I mean, congratulations on that, by the way, but I thoroughly do enjoy listening to you and the Cowboy uh, call games. There's just instant chemistry there. You guys do a great job. But take us behind the curtain. What is it like working with with the Cowboy, who I think has done a good job of having an old-school philosophy with baseball, but also not being close-minded to adapting to some of the new philosophies and the new analytical ways that drive baseball today? What are those conversations like off the mic and even on the mic? We get to hear those, obviously, of just kind of watching him adapt to how the game is changing. I know that can't be easy for an old-school mind. New school, of course, is all for it. But what is that like having you know you being more analytically driven and him accepting the analytically driven sport that it is while also still holding to his roots of the old school mindset. What is that like work? I, th- I think it's a good blend to have both of you kind of having these sides that you do and also hearing how he responds during games. Well, I think one of the things, first of all, once you get into the analytics, it's so numbers driven that I don't think the numbers themselves play well if you're just going through numbers on the radio. You have to, you have to give them if you give them at all, some sort of context. Mm -hmm. And to me, a lot of it just boils down to what are they looking for from certain players? So it's not necessarily the numbers themselves that that we use. It's, it's what, what makes this guy appealing to this team? Things like that, I think make a a big difference. So you kind of use that as far as the conversations go. He blows me away at how well uh, he understands all of this stuff, and and it's because I think he's fascinated by it. You know, he was he was a guy that will admit he he wasn't blessed with a, a great pitcher's body. You know, he he wasn't six four uh, and a big guy. He's he, he's shorter in stature, so I think that he is somebody that always looked to gain every advantage from an informational standpoint that he could get. And as such, I think he admires the information that's there now and the way that it's being used, and and he likes to look at that stuff. So he is really a student. I would say he probably teaches me, well, not probably, he does. He (laughs) teaches me and helps me understand a lot of that stuff far better than I ever could on my own Uh, because I'll be honest with you, and I'm a a numbers guy. Math was about the only subject I was ever good at in school. Uh, But... Uh, he he helps me understand that stuff a lot better than I ever could, and uh, I'm certainly grateful for that. And, and sometimes it's not even just about the uh, you know I we throw that word around a little bit too often. I mean, analytics exists in every sport. We act like baseball is the only sport that uses analytics. Every sport does. Even back in the day, old school baseball analytics were being used. It's just now we've kind of souped them up to look more like more of these scientific math equations. And it, I always joke, I say, man, baseball. It's fine that you want to implement this. I think it's bad for newer fans because I feel like some newer fans have to go to college to get a degree to even understand what some of these metrics are half the time. But when it comes to like a managerial philosophy or a man managerial decision being made with those like I remember there were times last year when uh, you know when we'd see David Bell take a pitcher out you know the third time through the order I think sometimes that really frustrates a lot of more old school minds too but you would hear like the Cowboys say hey you know you gotta you know you gotta manage to win the game today you can't be so worried about the games down the road that you lose games today to try to win games later and again he's not ripping David Bell but I, I always find that where you know you have a collision of mindsets that are kind of bashing and I love that I don't like when people say you could only have people calling games that have the newer mindset. I don't like that. I like when there's a collision of that a bit because it brings two sides to the table. 
I agree, and I think there's a lot to that because I think you want as well-rounded information as you can get, whether that's uh, baseball theories. I mean, I, I think that's what that's what makes uh, any relationship fun, uh, whether that's a friendship or you know whether it's you and your spouse. You can't agree on everything, so it's the conversation to understand each side's viewpoint, which kind of makes things fresh. And I think that's the way it works in baseball too. I think there are a lot of different ways to to look at the game we can all love baseball but we love different elements about it or there are different reasons why we like the game or you know maybe you like all the information maybe i like the old school stuff it's just all all of that i think just makes for a more well-rounded conversation and and i think it makes it a, a lot of fun as well Tommy, throw out voice of the Cincinnati Reds with us. Reds opening day tomorrow, Major League Baseball opening day tomorrow, but Reds opening day matchup starts off with the Cardinals. Last couple things here, and I'll let you go, Tommy. I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Uh, we know, look, we, you know, Trevor Bauer leaves. He's the very first player ever to win a Cy Young in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. And you think about to the history, all the great teams, all the great players that have played in Cincinnati. Um, and he wins a Cy Young. And it was great and exciting, but it's disappointing because fans couldn't see it. You weren't, th- you, you know, fans didn't get to be in the ballpark. You witness any of the history being made throughout the shortened 60-game season last year. Bigger names have left than have come in, and it's unfortunate because I feel like that has dampered down the excitement of the fans because a year ago at this time, before we knew COVID was going to cancel the season, everyone was so jacked. I mean, you got Moustakis, you got Castellanos, Suarez was just continuing to take off. You know, you you know another year of Senzel, you know, Winker again. This thing, you had Wade, Wade Miley, a lefty, to get into the rotation. It's like the Reds had gone all in. That those all-in pieces are still here outside of Trevor Bauer. Last year, the team, they're being labeled as a bad-hitting team, and rightfully so. They didn't hit well last year, but I still don't look at them as a bad-hitting team. I look at them as a team that collectively had an off year. Is it safe to say that we have yet to see the best of what this offensive group can do collectively just because of how bad they were offensively a year ago? Safe to say, I think it's spot-on. I think it's 100% accurate. And all the names you said are still back. I mean, that's those are the guys that, that had everybody myself included, excited for last season. And let's not forget, this team underperformed dramatically from an offensive standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was off the charts. You don't expect that at all. So I think think you can expect this team to bounce back to some extent. Now, I don't think you can expect for everybody to have career years. If they do, my my goodness, look out. I mean, this team's going to be world beaters. But... At the same time, I think you can expect guys to come back a little closer to what the back of their baseball card says they're capable of. And and that, that I think, is a fair expectation for this season um, from an offensive standpoint. Now, sure, the Reds lost Trevor Bauer. I understand, you know, the Rysel Iglesias uh, departure may have a few folks concerned. But the back end of the bullpen is not a concern at all. I think the Reds do still have, to some degree, some, some rotation depth as well. And so... I really think that that they can weather uh, the departure of those two guys, and, and I think that's that's why the front office made the decisions that they made. Uh, I think the move to put Suarez at short certainly fills an offensive hole in the lineup. Jonathan India is an exciting young player. You mentioned his name earlier. Uh, I'm excited to see what he's capable of. The guy swung the bat. He he got the barrel to just about everything. He made really good adjustments to the plate. Uh, so I think it, it, now you can't necessarily rely on a rookie to, to give you big offensive production, but if it gives you anything, uh, it would probably still be an upgrade from what we saw out of the red shortstop position a year ago. Uh, so certainly reason to be optimistic and, and feel confident about the offense. We'll see what the rotation looks like, but 
I think all along, uh, the expectation was that Trevor Bauer would have been gone at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And like I said, this is still a postseason team from a year ago that I think still has a lot of room to improve on, on what they accomplished last year. Last thing here as we send you out again, Tommy Thrall, voice of the Reds. The Cardinals tomorrow, 410 the first pitch, 340 the pregame right here on Dayton's home of the Cincinnati Reds, 1410 ESPN Radio. You'll hear, you will hear Tommy on the call as well as Tommy all season here on 1410 Wing AM. Um, and you're only as, you know, when you talk about how good this team is, a playoff team a year ago, you look at the NL Central, it's always one of the toughest divisions in baseball year in and year out. It's It's gotten a little weaker, which, you know, the, the Cubs kind of taken a, a brief step back. The Cardinals, you know, they end up making a splash in free agency. The Brewers are the team that I'm like, they've just been hiding over here in the corner just laughing at everybody else. They're the team that I'm circling, kind of looking out for a bit, too, in this division. What is your view of this division, and wh- how do the Reds stack up against this division and starting tomorrow with the the Cardinals. I, 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 I've done exactly what you're talking about. Kind of looked at the Reds side by side with other teams. So I started with the Cardinals because obviously that's who the Reds open with tomorrow. But I, I, I just, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Cardinals are a bad team. They always find a way to be competitive. They find a way to win. And, and I think that's what makes them dangerous. Not necessarily uh, the numbers that they put up individually. They always seem to be a little better than the sum of their parts. Uh, so that's the part that's concerning about the Cardinals, but to a man, I just don't, I don't know that they stack up that much better than the Reds. Don't get me wrong. Nolan Arenado is a great addition for them. He is a very exciting player. Uh, I am excited to see him a lot this season. I'm not excited that it's going to be at the Reds' expense, perhaps, uh, but he's a very exciting player just from a baseball fan standpoint. He, he really has a chance to be one of the best if not the best third baseman of all time. Uh, now, he struggled with the bat last year. Uh, we'll see if that comes back for him this year. Uh, that's going to be a big question mark for the Cardinals from an offensive standpoint. I think their pitching's a little... Uh, now, they got Jack Flaherty going tomorrow. He's young, but then you have Adam Wainwright, who's certainly an aging veteran right behind him. How much left does Wainwright have in the tank? Yadier Molina certainly is near the end of his career. Uh, so... They've got some. They've got some experience, but the, the experience is a, a kind way to say they're an aging team as well. So how is that going to work out for the Cardinals? I'm with you. I thought what the Brewers did, especially once you got into the start of spring training, the addition of Jackie Bradley Jr., Colton Wong, they're the team that kind of makes me think that they might be kind of lying in the weeds a little bit. That's the team that may concern me now. If you would have asked me two months ago, no, I don't think they'd be a factor at all. But I really think things have changed, and that dynamic's changed a little bit that makes them a little more concerning. Uh, the Cubs, I'm not, you know, who knows? But there's just nothing that really strikes me about the Cubs other than the fact that they really hit the ball well this spring and, and, and look pretty good at times this spring. All right, Cincinnati Reds, St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow, 410 the first pitch, 340 the pregame. You'll hear Tommy throw on the call tomorrow as well as all 162 regular season games and 